Welcome to another episode of the Fanzone Podcast. Your home for all things Bolton Wanderers up the trotters, the Northwest's number one podcast. Hey, good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan Zone Podcast. Back with you again for episode 56. The pods are coming thick and fast at the minute. Uh, we can see 12 of you already in and watching. So thanks to everyone who tunes in for the live episodes. We really do appreciate it. Uh, obviously, your contributions go a long way. Uh, we've got a dedicated section now to your contributions. And yeah, we, we really, really appreciate you all tuning in. Um, the pods are coming thick and fast. We've just launched a new show called The Preview. So before every game, we will be with you to preview the upcoming fixture and we'll be joined by a special guest, uh, which is from another podcast. So our most recent one was It's All Cobblers to Me and they joined us for our preview of the Northampton Town game. So, I mean, you're probably a bit late to the party if you haven't already seen it, but you can keep your eyes peeled for the next one, which will be tomorrow evening as we're joined by the Wickham way for our preview of our, our away game against Wickham Wanderers. So, without further ado, we'll jump into all of the good stuff. So, of course, the Wanderers hosted Northampton Town on what was a very much Jekyll and Hyde performance, hence the name of the episode. Get your comments in as we go along, as always. Let us know what you think. It was a bit of a, a game of two halves, uh, very much so. And we're going to go over to you first. Can you give us your thoughts on the game, how you thought it played out? Obviously, your thoughts on both the first and the second half. Uh, and just let us know what you thought of the game. Oh, I mean... We started well, didn't we? We we got little glimpses of that Port Vale performance in there, and I thought we're in for a we're in for a cracker here. We've we've sussed it, we've sussed it. Um, I thought we we were dominant. We were on top. We controlled the floor. I didn't think Northampton played particularly any f- football of any sort of anything to worry about. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened at half time. I don't know what that team thought was, but it just it just fell apart. They came out. We were we were second to everything. We were slow. We were lethargic. Don't even get me started on the lethargic thing. Um, and yeah, it just it, it it let me down. So Chris and I bumped into David, who's a regular watcher on the concourse on Saturday, and we both said, Chris and I, that we were we never confident are we Chris before matches. We're not we, we don't go into any match thinking we're going to batter anyone. Um, I think that's just our nature. That's just the way we are. David was was much more positive than we were about it, and I think it's that it's that knowing that we don't always do the best against those teams that struggle against those bottom teams for for some reason. Um, And yeah, it was three points that we hung on for and we should be absolutely getting at home. We need to be winning every match at home. Um, It's just the manner in which we do it. I would prefer to not be quite so tight or stressful. Thank you. 
Moving on to that second half, Chris, do you think um, the second half, do you think, would you prefer the second halves to be, to be much more comfortable? Uh, I mean, I, I suppose the obvious answer would be yes. What do you think is the issue? What do you, where do you think it goes wrong for, for the Whites in terms of perhaps slowing down a little bit in the second half and the last 45 not being as comfortable as the first? What do you think needs to change or happen for that to, to be more plain sailing? Well, first of all, it's, it's, not, it's not something new, is it? You know, I think I cast my mind back to last season when we we started games really quick. I think the difference being we started games really quick, but we didn't capitalise last season. Whereas this season we've we've started to capitalise. We seize the advantage, get a get a lead, two nil, three nil. You know, think you know, think back to Cheltenham away, a couple of games where you know Fleetwood where we've gone it. You know, we've really seized the initiative, um, and they just run out of gas. I think there's a big, big section that we'll touch on later in the um, in the fans' feedback in the fans' forum about this and about how we set up and how we play, and is it something that's sustainable at League One level? Um, you know, with the caliber of players that that. You know that that you have um, and you can attract. It's difficult, but I think uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it is down to, the, in a nutshell, how we play and how difficult it is for us to play like that, um, and the toll that it takes. Pardon the pun. Um, whether that be mentally, physically in terms of performance and sustaining that. Um, I never saw that second half coming yesterday. I thought there'd be a drop-off, um, but I thought we'd get a, an early goal in the second half um, and that'd be it. Job done, it was. It was an absolute cancer in that first half. Um, and, and I'm still at a loss. It, it, it does... Some, I saw somebody describe it yesterday very, very well as a as a, a dichotomy, which I think is absolutely true. And obviously, today's pod title, Jekyll and Hyde, touches on that as well. Um, difficult to really, really put your finger on it, but I do think it's got something to do with how we play, the style of that Ian Ebert sets us up to play with. Um, and the players who are doing it, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit more detail later on. Absolutely. We've just had a comment that I must say the live chat is really busy this evening. There is lots of you tuning in. So thank you all for, for, for popping your comments on. I'm going to do my best to go through and pick some out that are, are obviously relevant um, to the things we're talking about at the minute. So apologies if I do miss any. We've had one from, from David, Colin. I'm going to pass this to you. Um, so he referenced the Nottingham Forest and Luton game where Forest were 2-0 up and coasting and nerves kicked in. It happens to all teams and it's football. Do you think there was an air of nerves about that second half or do you think, think in fact, it was perhaps a little bit of complacency? Where does it sit on that sort of spectrum for you? Was it a nervous second half or, or did the Wanderers get complacent? Go. Oh. Go. Oh. Got you, Colin. Got you, Colin. Wow. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerves, complacency, and I would say 
I thought yesterday on reflection, they kind of like wanted to just get the game over with after by half time. Mm. So I think they kind of went for the juggler, which is a term I've used a few times so far this season. So I think it's a combination of all, of, of all of them three elements. The nerves, I think, come from the reaction of the crowd. And I understand, obviously, the fans will only ever react to what they see. But I do think that sometimes, especially kind of anywhere, you, you just got to kind of look at the bigger picture. If we're being honest, I know we've won four at the last five, but after the last game against Carlisle, obviously, you know, we, we need to recognise that we weren't really in a, or we're not really in, in the best of places, I don't think, performance-wise. So I think we've, we've got a duty as a supporter group to to kind of get behind them as opposed to mourning and groaning and saying shoot from 45 yards and mourning because they're going backward. We, it's the same old, we know why we play the way we play, you know, and we've just got a duty to get behind them. And I think if we don't, that often enhances the nervousness around around the stadium and obviously that, that relays onto the, onto the, onto the players. Um, so yeah, I think that, like I said, they, I think they, were, they went for it early doors and they, dwindled out towards the end of the obviously the end of the game or the second half which was a bit disappointing but at the end of the day I know we're saying all we're saying but if we look at the cold hard stats you know we've, we're averaging 1.92 points a game so we're there and there we're about where we need to be and if, if this is our blip of the season which I kind of hope it is and if we're getting it out of the way in October then I'm pretty ecstatic about that um, because the only way we're going to go is that way, mm. it's weird actually because it, it, this month it, it, uh, there's a lot of similarities to last last October. If you remember, we had um, Cheltenham and Forest Green away, right? In quick succession, so there's there's, yeah. a, there's some very very similar patterns. But the only yeah the only concern for me this season so far is we've just been a little bit too inconsistent like across the whole. Of the, of, of, the, of the season so far and I just hope it's just like a bit, our, our seasonal blip and it's just coming early um, and then we can really push on for the rest of the season but these are two big games coming up so mm. they absolutely are uh, going to run through some of the viewers uh, section I can see 51 of you currently tuned in uh, watching live, which is absolutely fantastic. I think that's probably a, a new record so far. So thank you all for, you, for joining us. Thank you. And before um, you move on, I just ask people to like and subscribe while you're here. I was just about to while you're here, in case you get a bit bored and like you turn it off and you forget. Yeah, absolutely. About it. I was just about to say we've had one already from a certain Roy who's watching over on Facebook. So Roy, you are on the ball. Thank you very much. If the rest of you could follow suit and leave a like wherever you're watching, that would be hugely appreciated. We've just had another one come through. Uh, so thanks very much for that. Um, we'll put. Uh, put some of the, the viewers' comments on screen now for you all to have a look at. Uh, BWFC714, who is a notorious contributor to the pod uh, and probably didn't know it for quite a long time, but he said, uh, a good three points yesterday, I don't care who the opposition were. We needed that win ahead of three tough away matches and got what we needed. Uh, I think he's going for the, the very much, you know, get business done and, and just move on. Uh, ben it's true that, it? Sorry, Ben, before you carry on, it's true that because, like, when we look at it at the end of the season, we're not really going to remember the the, the performances, are we? And, and the like, what's the second half? We're going to remember the result because that's kind of all that really matters. 
it? Certainly, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a business, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's points on the board which will which will get us promoted at the end of the day. Um, and you know, although it'd be nice to see that that consistency across, you know, two halves. Um, you know, points on the board is what that matters. <laughs> I think you str- you struggle with that though, don't you? This level, I think we need to temper our expectations a, a little bit with that, and we do expect us to kind of like walk all over teams from start to finish. But the calibre of player that we've got at our disposal, and and and, and the ruggedness of the opposition that we come up against, you're never going to have it that way. Like Portsmouth yesterday, just about got past Carlisle, like in the in the last second of the game. Last yeah. Like I dread that they they played quite poor from from what they've been kind of used to. You know, Oxford have uh, apparently one of the best things since sliced bread and they dropped points at home yesterday. And performance for them weren't the best either. So it's it's just the way it is at this league, isn't it? We you'd think we'd be used to it by now. It certainly is. Uh, ben said I think we came out for the second half of the view to just hang on to the two 0 but going for a third would have killed it off. Yeah. Uh, Andrew has said it has to be a mental thing. We seem to start second half thinking the game is already won. Um, and we've had one more. Uh, and Chris was saying a couple of times Rico was walking into the corner and trying to fire the fans up. I must yeah. say, the atmosphere at the tough sheet yesterday felt a little bit uh, more subdued than perhaps the last couple of games. Um, and I flat. noticed as well, it's Rico. It yeah, it was. It was a, a little more flat. Um, and, you know, it's we've heard it a million times before from the players and from Everett that the fans, you know, really carry us through. Um, I'm going to pass over to a comment to you all uh, from Daniel Buttery. And he said, Bad Varsen to start on Tuesday, he needs a chance. Ten minutes near the end is not enough for him. So I'm going to pass it over to all of you. Uh, just a quick yes or no. Who's starting on Tuesday up front for you both, for you all? Uh, and we'll go to you first. I would like to see Bud Barson and Dion start. That's what I would like to see. I don't necessarily think he will, but that's what I would like to see. Chris, what about you? Uh, same as yesterday. Adebayo and Dion Charles, they're our most prolific. I appreciate that Bud Barson needs a chance, and I'm a big, big fan um if i'm honest even though he's not really getting you know a, a, a decent amount of minutes i'm not really seeing much from him so comment yeah if he did something i mean his hold-up play is excellent don't get me wrong and i am a big fan of his i think we go back to previous pods that the the, the dream front two is Dion and Bod Varson both fiery. Um, but I'm not seeing anything as yet. So. Cole, what about you? Who's your strike partnership for Tuesday's game? Brandon took my inadvertent commas joke, and I was going to say Cameron Jerome and Dan Lundley and then move on. But I was only joking. Actually. Um, yeah, I'm with Chris, uh, Vic, Vicar, and and, uh, and Dion. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Dion in, in terms of like us overplaying him, if you want to call it that. I know he didn't really play a great deal for Northern Ireland, and we start it obviously starts every single game. Um, we need to th- we, we need to have another solution for when he's not necessarily going to be playing. Um, appreciate that's probably not this is, this is probably not the best time to do it because we're obviously in a bit of a, a funny. Kind of form winning 
ish, but not performing very well, so he needs to start. Um, but yeah, Vic, I think Vic's played pretty well last couple of games. I think yeah, yesterday he played pretty well. Played yeah. well yesterday, yeah. You know, he does a lot of the stuff that people don't necessarily like want to concentrate on the back to the goal stuff, holding the ball up well, bringing people into play. Um, uses it as best as he can. He probably should have played in um, the right wing back, um, Cogley, at Cogley. one point. <laughs> and we probably would have been 2 0 up quicker. Um, but yeah, I think he's playing well. And, and obviously, Dion, you know, he's off first on the team sheet in there, really. Yeah, I uh, will run through some of the viewers' opinions. So, Callum has said it's going to be Dion on Vic, isn't it? Uh, we've had one that said Bod and Dion for me. Johnny has said Dion on Vic. Uh, Liam has said, I think Vic would be more effective coming off the bench. We don't bring on any pace with the subs made when we replace both strikers, which can is I, a fair can point. Can add something to that? Like, I like that. Like a, a bit of an elaboration on your reasoning. Yeah, it's interesting that. Yeah, it's it's interesting food and isn't it? Absolutely. Just repeat yeah, it again. Well, that just saying X and Y, Y. Tell us why. Elaborate on it. Especially Khan, of course. Chris has gone with JDB and Charles. Uh, and I think that's about all we've had. Uh, um, Dan has, has echoed the thoughts of, of us here saying, yeah, I agree. Vic did play well yesterday. Um, in terms of good performances, we will now move on to our fan zone man of the match. <laughs> So, um, obviously, we want you all to get involved. So, put your man of the match choice in the chat if you would like to elaborate for Colin. Please feel free. Oh, just for me, Chris <laughs> Green as well. It's just, it's just, it's just nice to understand people's reasoning. That's all. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. exactly. No, it exactly. promotes conversation, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, with on the panel, we'll start today with Chris. Please, who is your man of the match? Uh, on the basis that he got through 90 minutes without getting a yellow card. Um, and he played excellently. Um, it was interesting to see yesterday a, a double pivot um, involving my man in the match, which is George Thomason, as you probably guessed, um, and Aaron Morley. I thought that was quite interesting and it, I think it worked really, really well in the first half, not so much in the second half. Um, but yeah, George all day long for me. I thought he was excellent. Do you think that's something they've been working on? Sorry, I'm just... Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, often, you know what? I think it. I think it's through necessity and the fact that obviously Thomason is prone to a yellow card and you'll see... Yeah. Morley coming in for him that you know he's going to have to really sort of understand that pivot um as well as George does and so I as a consequence as a consequence that's obviously affecting Aaron's game is it if he's well I mean he's not been playing to be fair recently has he? so it's I thought really been applying that, but. I, I thought for probably well probably the first the whole of the first half that um Morley was excellent in doing doing what he normally does and yeah. stepping into that that additional pivot role i thought he did really really well um he's still off his game he's he's not at the levels that he's capable of um but there was definitely mm. a marked improvement yesterday from much better game yesterday. Aaron. yeah yeah mm. 
certainly in the first I mean, half, and that that ball he played through for the for the goal, it was it was more what we used to seeing with Aaron, and I think that's why people you see that little flicker of yeah. old Aaron, and then it reminds you why he was such a pivotal player for us at one point, and it's just fallen off a little bit, hasn't it? That pass was fantastic. I I sent <coughs> the, the north upper, and I, I often see passes before they happen, but I'm obviously a lot higher than the players. And when a player makes a pass of that ilk, that quality, it just makes you realise how, how, how good they are or how good he is. Because mm. the vision for that is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's a great ball to Williams, wasn't it? Mm. Um, Colin, who's your man of the match then? Um, I, and there's no doubt uh, George Thompson played very well again yesterday. I, I really enjoy the, watching the lad. I think he's got a bright future. I think he needs to spruce up a little bit in front of goal, put, put a bit more weight on as well. It can be a bit weak from time to time. But other than that, other than two tight criticisms, I think he's improving week on week out. Um, but I'm not going to choose him for man of the match because for me, I thought Randall Williams probably played one of his best games for us yesterday. Not probably not the best game he's ever played for us, but certainly up there. And you can never shy away from a fullback, which is what he is, scoring and assisting in within 90 minutes. And he were always making himself available throughout the whole game, less so in the second half for obvious reasons. But for the first half, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I, he is proving to everybody. And I hope everybody who criti criticised him after only a matter of months last season is willing to hold their hands up about this. He, he's proving everybody wrong this season, or everybody who doubted him wrong. So, Randell. Randell Williams, thank you. Uh, Benjamin. For me, it's Thomason for more or less the same reasons as Chris has just mentioned. Uh, I think Randell is unfortunate to miss out for me. You know, he found himself in acres of space, probably one of his best games uh, in a Bolton shirt. Uh, a goal and assist uh, as a wing back is, is exactly what you need. So I feel harsh elsewhere. Say again. <laughs> I said, you just repeat what I just said. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining things. Yeah. No, it's just, <laughs> I feel harsh not giving it him. Uh, but for me, it's yeah, Tom. Uh, I thought he's. His, his rotation work was was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Uh, his ability to pick up the ball and drive with it was was really, really good. The one-twos he played in and around the, the midfield three were fantastic. He drove us up the pitch really, really well. Um, there were a few occasions where I thought his, his final end product could have been a little bit sharper, a bit better, perhaps a little bit more incisive. Um, but I thought, on the whole, Thomason yesterday was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he roughed up Northampton as well, and to do that without coming away with his traditionally yellow card was uh, was fantastic so for me it is Georgie T got to give a bit of special recognition to Josh Sheen as well won't we I think because I think he, he, he was you know what I think he he's, he's a, probably a victim of his own success because he's been so consistent this season that yeah. it's just expected of him now isn't it that he'll yeah. put in a, a, a 7.5 and 8 and 9 out of 10 performance week in, week out. He's um and he frustrated the life out of them. He absolutely yeah. he absolutely like knotted them up. It was it was mm, I loved class. watching him yesterday. So like just going back through the chat now, we've got five names that came out. So Sheehan, a couple of votes, Tomo with about four, Randall on six, um, Aaron, a couple of votes for Aaron and a couple of votes for Rico. 
brilliant to see Rico back, like he'd never been away. Solid, really good performance. I also almost gave mine to Randall because an assist and a goal, like Colin said, from his position. And I have always liked the look of him from the start. And I think he's actually really finding his feet now. But overall, and mostly because he didn't pick up a yellow card. <laughs> um, and he found himself, I wish he had shooting boots because he got himself into some absolutely brilliant mm. positions yesterday, Tom. Or, and if he had shooting boots, he'd have kind of had a couple. So for me, yeah. Sorry, it I'm was sure. George Thomason. And therefore, for the panel and this week's fans or man of the match, he's improving all the time and he's improved over the summer and he's come back looking even stronger and stuff but he's he's obviously got getting his game down pretty much to a t now we're certainly heading in that direction i wonder i'd be interested to know how much and if he, i know he's his he's, he's, he's old man is in we watch, I think he might watch, or he's certainly involved in some of the he dips in, I comments. think. He dips in, in, I think. <laughs> Interesting to know how much time he spends practicing shooting from the edge of the box because I think if he could add goals to his game, I think it could be an absolute yeah. diamond of the oh, yeah, just a you know, like maybe I don't know, a handful five, six, seven goals a season, mm -hmm. something like that. That's a missing piece, isn't it? That's all that's yeah. missing. I think he's he's. He's progressed so much this season, though. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, uh, it's it's like he needs to learn to just pass it into the goal because he puts some absolutely could land it on a five p when he's pinging it across the across the pitch. But then it comes to put it in a goal, and it's like it all goes out the window. Yeah, small, small I'm going target. To, I'm going to choose my words very carefully, and I'll refrain from using a similar quote that I used for Sheehan in another episode. Um, but when you look at players that play in that pivot role, probably one of the best in the world is Rodri. And he has them goal contributions, and that's probably what sets him apart from the rest of the players in that position. Because um, he can do everything. There is not one part of his game that is probably, you know, weak that he needs to improve on. Um, so, yeah, I think if Tomo can add that to his game, not saying he'll be the same as Rodri, but... I mean, at League One level, a midfielder that can can do everything would be a, a special, special talent. Um, but we will move on uh, to Cole's pre-match presser. This will be a shorter segment than usual, obviously. We'll touch on it very briefly, uh, and you can get our thoughts on it, but you can join Colin and Callum, the newest addition to the team. If you haven't seen that, if you head over to our Twitter You'll find it. Um, Callum, also known as Wandering Red, uh, is the person who's been putting out some content on our website, some really good written stuff. So if you want to go and have a look at that, then feel free. But Colin and Callum will be on air tomorrow with the Wickham Way uh, for our official The Preview show. But we will jump into uh, a little teaser for you right now. <laughs> I must say, just before you get going, saying teaser and then putting that picture on screen felt a little bit... Um... Where's your glass? You're supposed to be reenacting this today. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that picture up. Sorry. Um, yeah, so tomorrow, obviously, we're live with um, the preview game. Um, and it's George from the Wickham Way. It'll be around half past seven tomorrow evening, live, in your normal spots. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Um, obviously, Wickham away tomorrow uh, on Tuesday night, um, managed by uh, Matt Bloomfield. Um, 
preferred formation, by the way, is 4-2-3-1, which is a might be an indicator of the way that they're trying to change the way they play, possibly. Um, he's been in, in charge for 58 games and he averages around 1.33 um, points per game. Um, Wickham have won five of the past six meetings versus Bolton Wanderers Football Club. Never great. scored there, have we? Nice <laughs> no. Um, have fun, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris is the only one in in the fan zone pod who's going to the game on oh, Tuesday. Right. On Tuesday, I'll be at Charlton. Um, our last victory against Wickham was on the sixth of August, twenty-two. Of course, we beat them three 0 at our place with them scoring two and Aaron Morley. Um, Kieran Sadley, of course, plays for uh, Wickham. Interesting fact for you: he's played five times so far this season. He's not started a single game. He's not scored a single goal and he's not got a single assist. So, how many minutes has he had, Carl? Commentator's curse. I didn't make a note of that. I just noted the fact that he's only, he's only made five. Has he come off the bench? Five appearances, yeah. Uh, no contributions. So, he's bound to do some on Tuesday night, and he lets me be perfectly honest with you. Um, some noticeable um, players who, who you might recognise who play for Wickham are Richard Keogh, uh, Sam Volks, and the goalkeeper that Matt Stringyak, I think he's called. Uh, pretty impressive, yeah. Uh, goalkeeper. I think he's had some good, good good performances against us in recent times. Um, so yeah, with all that being said, obviously, like I said, we, we've got a live tomorrow. Um, we're looking forward to that one. We'll delve into things in, in a lot more detail with with George. Uh, but what are we all expecting from Tuesday evening, ladies? First, Ange, talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh... Yeah, we've already discussed I'm not the the most I'm never uber confident. I am particularly worried about this next run of games. Um just because like you said, we don't really get many results at Wickham. We don't score goals against them. We we make a we make it hard work for ourselves. I would be over the moon, I think, with a draw. Mm, interesting. Ben, what are you saying? Um, I, 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 it needs to. It's a case of it needs to be two, uh, two replicas of the first forty-five minutes against Northampton, and that's the only way we'll come away for with ninety minutes. For ninety um, minutes, thank you. Which is a is a is a tough old challenge, but I'm confident the lads will do it. Um, I think if we rock up uh, and play the way we did in that second half, we'll get turned over. Um, and it'll be a, a very, very sour performance uh, and a sour defeat. But uh, all things considered, I think we'll have what it takes. I hope we have what it takes. Uh, but the performance needs to be, you know, a more balanced ninety than, than what we showed against against Northampton. I think I read that they've only lost, and again, George will, will confirm this tomorrow. But I think they've they've only lost once so far on this season. Um, I think it was a defeat against Exeter. So the home ground is quite a formidable, formidable um, arena. Chris, over to you. Um, I think I think you've seen a few comments saying how we got bullied last season down there. Um, they're a different team. <clears throat> Obviously, they play the same formation as Northampton do, which you've just mentioned, Cole 4-2-3-1. They're not a Gareth Ainsworth team anymore. No. Um, they're evolving. They are evolving, to be fair. Yeah, they are. Um, 
and that might help us in terms of how we play. Um, I think we'll lose one now. After all that, but we, as I say, we've never scored at that place. Um, and I'm but not. It's mental. It's just mental. That I don't. I, I, we've, only them, we've, only, we've only played them about seven, or eight. It's six or seven times. It does sound, um, you know, it, if we've been playing them since the 1900s. Then yeah, that'd be a, yeah, that'd be a, yeah. that'd be a shocker, wouldn't it? <laughs> to be yeah. honest, well, they've played them like seven or eight times. And some would say that you know it's a record that's there to be broken. We have to score there at some point, but I just think it'd be typically us. To go there on a Tuesday night and lose one nil. I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, I hope we get a win, but mm. I'm struggling I think, to see. For me, I think that it's imperative that we go back to back to yeah. really, to really um, push us back, push us back on them on them tracks, so to speak, and get us back back firing as we expect. Because I think if we were to do that, then that game against Charlton on Saturday is a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I think it's very much a case of if we beat Wickham, we beat Charlton, lose to Wickham, probably lose to Charlton. Um, do you know what I was thinking? Do you know, do you remember when we used to, we were like top of the league for scoring late? Yeah. What, what, where's that gone? <laughs> we need some last we've names. We've, we've started, started games better. better. We yeah. haven't needed to use it. And that's the big thing, you know. We need, I'm not we need sure to start I'd rather, to be honest. And then end it well. <laughs> It's yeah, we need to combine the performances of last season and this season, and maybe we'll get somewhere. We're only um, in October. <laughs> I know, loads yeah. of football left. I keep saying it, loads of football. Loads of times to improve and get better. Loads. And we're still just just shy of 1.9 points a game. Just looking. Uh, Not that bad. Uh, um, admittedly, it was against Fleetwood. I don't know why I brought that particular game up, but... When Wickham played away at Fleetwood, there's a lot of people in the chat mentioning Vokes. It's, obviously, he's a big physical centre forward, set pieces. Da, 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 da. Um, he was actually on the bench at Fleetwood. He didn't come on till the 65th minute. Somebody was also asking about McCleary. Um, and I think that's a good point because he, he's a player I rate highly. He was also on the bench at Fleetwood. Um, Wickham and didn't come on till the 66th minute. Um, sadly, it came on in the 77th, just for reference. Um, so, are these sort of focal players at Wickham this season? Maybe not. You know, as as Paul said, they're a team that are ev that are evolving under Matt Bloomfield. They don't play the same way as they did under Gareth Ainsworth. So. It's a good opportunity think, for us, then, isn't it? Because yeah, we're, think we, we're well think, established, aren't we? Within it, within the way we play. Yeah, I think in a nutshell that you know we, we, we we're not comparing apples for apples, um, and we need to maybe go into the game with a little bit more confidence. Says he, you said he think we'd we'd lose one nil. Chris. So, um, <laughs> a conversation with himself here, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yes. no, just just, just chuddering away, worrying about Tuesday. Um, I think, yeah, uh, Andrew Ashworth put in a comment about um, Mendes Gomez. I, I think he said Everett last week that he was on, on the grass. Yeah, uh, back in training. So that's that was like last 
was that like on on Thursday for this week? So yeah, I can't see him being no. available for, for Tuesday. Might be on the bench on on Saturday or being well. Yeah, yeah, be good to see him back. He's the pace. He's the pace we need off the bench. He is. He's. He's that. He could make a difference towards so the end of the game. You throw Mendes Gomez into the mix now with um, Carl Dempsey, and are we happy yeah. with the squad? It, it makes me happier. <laughs> so we're all out of the squad, the squad then, are we? It was good to see Magoma back yesterday as well. Um, you know didn't exactly set the world on fire but he he put his body on the line he put himself in a lot of good positions um and i think yeah there's a lot more to come people are writing off the summer travel yeah. you know? um too early Bold. for that we will now head into our final section of this evening's episode uh, if you have enjoyed so far, then make sure you leave a like on the video, subscribe on whatever platform you're watching on, drop us a follow and leave a comment on the video letting us, uh, once it goes out, letting us know what you thought. Uh, just ben, before we head into Chris's... Ben, sorry, interrupt you. With the comments, obviously the positive ones are mega, and I always say this, but we want to try and push out content that everybody enjoys and do, obviously we but, you know, we put a bit of work into this as well, so we want to improve. So anything, any comments are good comments. I don't know whether the rest of you agree. So, like, if you, you know, think things yeah. that you, you don't like or you want us to do different or better, then that's all, all good as well. Absolutely. If you've got any suggestions on ways we can improve, we're all ears. Um, ultimately, the podcast is for the fans and it's with the fans. Uh, so your contributions go a long way in, in helping us make the show better for you. Uh, just before we head into Chris's Fan Zone Fan Focus section, uh, we'll just, of course, do our sponsor shout out for the folks over at Eco Warm Windows. <laughs> And gave you all a little earlier, uh, but thanks to the guys over at Eco One Windows for sponsoring the Fan Zone podcast as headline sponsors for the 2023 24 season. Uh, absolutely fantastic set of uh, set of guys. Uh, if you want to find out more about our sponsors, be it Eco Warm or any of the others that we have, whether it's Drip Tech uh sushma snacks bbs window blinds if you head over to our website which is www.thefanzonepod.co.uk then you can get a load of that find out all our sponsors uh and yeah read away to your heart's content there's so much content heading over on the website so uh so go and have a look uh but now we will of course cross over into chris's fan zone fan focus <laughs> Where do we start? My God. The beginning. Oh, my God. The feedback, it, it's just week on week, it just gets busier and busier and busier. So thank you all. Um, I've tried to, again, condense it into good, bad, ugly, um, and get as many of your comments in the mix as i could but it, you have to understand it's quite challenging there's <laughs> so many so here goes so the the first part the first section i'm going to call imaginatively ian ever 
Um, so, like him or love, loathe him. Um, some really interesting comments this week. Um, so, we'll start with Vintage White. Um, so, earlier this week, Ian Everett was talking about sustainability, tempering expectation around automatic promotion. Um have to remind back to pre-season autos is the aim um sticks in my head i might i'm paraphrasing there but it was worse than that effect and now i think it was thursday last week um he kind of as i say he tried to sort of dumb it down a bit did it getting autos um what, so, what, what, sorry, what did he say? So, so he spoke about doing things in a sustainable fashion, about right. not spending, and he mentioned teams like Ipswich and Sunderland and how long it took them to get out of the league. Yeah. Um, and that we're not going to break the sustainable model that we have to try and achieve that. So it was very, very much a kind of reeling it back a little bit um okay. no, I, don't, so, I didn't i didn't see it like i didn't see it like that to be fair yeah I, uh, the but, article I mean, yeah pretty, pretty clear to be honest um and i think there is I, I think there needs to be a reality check um right now if you put me on the spot and you said chris do you think we'll get automatics this season i'd say no um, and I base that, I'm not basing that on performances. I'm basing that on mentality that we're very, very early doors and we're getting tired bodies comments in the mix again. Um, don't watch with me at all. It's you know it's a mentality thing. You've got to be strong. You've just got to roll your sleeves up um, and get on with it. Do I think we do? I think we've got enough to get top two. Yeah, I do. I think we've got a team that's good enough to do it. Um, but right now, if you put me on the spot and said, "Do you think you will get automatics this season?" I'd say no. I would say no. So I think that Everett's comments. Um, I think a, a well-timed um, as Mark said he's also talking about spending um, and I think he's already managing expectations for January and the window because a lot of people are making the comments about um, the summer window being poor and that January is um is, is key to our season. Has anybody, and that's you three, or anybody in the chat watched the Burnley documentary? I think no. I watched one episode. No, the fact, that the, the fact that they're being successful depresses me, so I'll stay away from it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the, the, I think it's episode five um, where there's a big segment 
where, and I'm not sure if you're aware of, of, of Burnley's structure, the Americans came in. Um, they are, I believe, Mormon. They're either that, they're very religious people. Um, they spent a lot of money, and there's a lot of them. On the board meetings, there's like 20 of them. So people in the boardroom and on a team's uh, call as well. But the point I'm making, I will get to it in a minute, um, is that Vincent Company presents a whole ream of data about um, players taking on board the way that he wants them to play. And I think we see it season on season. that we Obviously, we recruit in the summer. We have a slow start to the season. It picks up in January. And the data that he presented replicated that exactly. So he backed it up with that. And I think that's a consideration. There's a rotation of new players that come in that are learning, players who are coming in who haven't played in that way and getting injured because of mm -hmm. the demands. You know, the demands that, yeah. that we're putting on players in training. Yeah. And we'll touch on that in a minute because there's another point on that. But I think it is wise to just reel it in a little bit. Um Yes, so it's a really good point, that Vintage White. I don't know your full name, but there you go. Um, moving on from that, um, Jim the Wanderer, it's not his opinion, but it's a point to debate. And it kind of leads on from what we've just said. Are we too intense? And does that create unnecessary pressure, stifle creativity? I I thought yesterday that we needed to take the handbrake off a little bit. I mean, obviously, the first half an hour, I thought we did that. But after that, we, we, we just went, we just clammed up. And I think it's a really good point that Jim makes. And the thing that he, that he mentions, which I've also noticed, and I'm sure a lot of you have, is at the end of a game... Ever will be straight on the pitch and he'll be in players' ears talking about tactics. You'll see him, you know, he'll put his arm around a certain player and he'll be pointing to certain areas of the pitch and obviously dissecting what's just gone on. He's very, very intense and by his own admission, I mean, a lot of people say he's stubborn. Yeah, he is. Um, is he stubborn or determined? I think with two... Uh, very very close um but i agree with jim in that respect you know performances can come from being more relaxed um you know you think about last season you think about beating peterborough 5-0 mk dons 5-0 etc just taking the handbrake off a little bit and just letting them relax um there's just a lot of intensity it's, it, it's rubbing off on the fans as well in terms of expectation. And I think we just need to chill out a little bit more. Obviously, there are objectives, you know, for the club as a business, but they need to basically just let them relax and play because you've seen what what happens to us when we don't. We freeze and it isn't good. Think about Wigan. Think about Carlisle. So, 
I'm seeing the comments that there was a bit of a Everton Charles Barney with each other at full time. Good. I like it. I like that a lot. People, Yeah. Yeah. When it was over, mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, but, yeah. it Like Cole said, I'm... Um, so Especially forwards. Yeah. Mouts just mentioned it as well. Dion definitely had a go at Everton at full time. So uh, I've seen uh, it a few times actually, even throughout the game. Um, for the last couple of games, actually, I've sat in almost not far away from the dugouts, uh, and and I can got a good eye line of, of Everton and obviously what happens on the pitch. And there are a number of times throughout the game where Charles almost seems to to remonstrate with Everton. Um, and it, it usually seems to come from a place of frustration at how the game's playing out, not from a place of, of anger that's directed at Everett. Um, and I think more than anything, it shows that that Charles wants to, you know, just play football. He wants to do the he best that he be can. The, and he's, he wants to be the top man. He wants to be number one. Everything He wants everything to come through him. He wants to score all the goals. He wants all the headlines. Mm. And that's that's what makes him what he is. Yeah, and his, his Radix Lecti, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but um, as he mentions, it's it, it's good to see um, players standing up and offering their opinion to the manager. Um, you know, there's, there's only so much that Ebbett can do in terms, you know, until they cross the white line. Um, but you know, nobody sees it better than the players on the pitch. And I think it's about time that a few of them started to stand up to him um, and think on the feet on the feet a little bit more <clears throat> based on, you know, what the tactics are. He mentioned yesterday that the half-time team talk went out the window. Um, maybe they didn't agree with it. You know, you know, there's there's a little bit of initiative that needs to be taken by some of the players and a bit of leadership um all areas so i i'm not against that um you know you can only do so much but the players need to seize the initiative and actually stand up to him where it's necessary obviously um that actually happened again against Northampton. There was this instance where Everett had asked for Toll and Geff to swap sides. Uh, and Rico, I think after a phase of about five minutes, after a couple of phases that seemed to come down Toll's side, he told Toll to go back over because he could see that Toll was... It was either Toll or Geff was struggling playing on the opposite side and he asked them to swap back. Um, and you could see it again. You know, Everett's got a, probably a, a, a good look from where he's standing on the byline, but then players like Santos and Charles have got possibly that capacity to switch things back or yeah. change things within the team and say, look, let's do this. Um, I think it's necessary. It's good to in some respects. It, it is. It is. Um, moving on to Mark. Again, Vintage White mentions this and Leslie um touches on the fact that you know is training too intense obviously we've seen a lot of injuries this season eight at its peak um but the question is around why can't we put in a 90 minute performance um it's 
you know, again, the excuse came out yesterday, tired bodies. Um, but you think about the performance yesterday, think about Port Vale, um, and obviously think about the, the title of the pod today, the Jekyll and Hyde thing, you know, they the, the can look like two different teams from one half to the next completely. Is it a mentality thing? Um, I think Leslie is on the money and around the training, maybe being too intense. I think that drives what, you know, whatever expects from the team, style of play, the timing and the intensity of the press. You know, we're a League One team. We've got League One calibre players, yet we're adopting an approach which is obviously more synonymous with Man City, Brighton, etc. in the way and the style that we play, um, both mentally and physically, you know, it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot out of the players. And I think that might have a lot to do with why you see that enormous drop-off. Um, that, you know, it's great that we have this Everett ball philosophy. You know, you'll see it in training. We watch inside Lostock that we play um, a lot of what Bielsa calls murder ball where the ball's always in play and it's at high intensity training. It we lead, you know, we're a lead one team adopting that approach. And I think it has a big impact on the levels that we play at and why it drops off so much. Um really, really difficult. I don't know what you know, if there's anybody else who's got any thoughts on that. Um I'm, in, I'm inclined to think that, that a little bit of the fact that obviously we've, I think we obviously we've been stretched personnel-wise, but I, I do, I do think that they're still trying to find the rhythm a little bit within the season as well. Some it's some it's not quite hitting them them notes. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's burnout personally. In my opinion, I just think that they're trying to kill the games early. And then they're trying to manage the game out and yeah. find that rhythm to do so. Um, and we've become unstuck a couple of times this season. And yesterday was a bit of an eye-opener because it made you think, like, you know, Christ, what, what was that second half all about type of thing? I think, but yeah, I, do, I, do... I think, yeah, second half. I mean, we've, I think we've all absolutely tore into him about that second half. Um, and it was really, really disappointing. But when you look at it, from a chances created point of view, i.e. Northampton, they what? The, the goal? I don't remember. I think Baxter had to make one save in that second half. So whilst it was disappointing, it wasn't exactly all answer to the pumps, was it? We, do, we did make it uncomfortable. There were some clearances which were skewed. Skywards outplay or whatever but I don't know uh, I think somebody mentioned and certainly we mentioned it yesterday yeah and Santos's pass there was actually two of them wasn't there um, one in each half which were worrying but obviously a bit of ring rust there but yeah I, I thought generally you played really well yesterday um, 
that, yeah, it wasn't... I thought Forrester was unfortunate to be dropped. I don't see Toll's natural position as left-sided at all. I don't understand that. Maybe that was to... I think it was done to accommodate Gethin in many respects. I thought, whilst Geth did not have a good game, I thought his influence was positive. I thought there was greater leadership throughout with Santos and Jones coming back in. But in terms of the game of football, I thought he was generally quite poor. Um, I think Toll, Santos and Forrester is, is ideal. Um, get Toll back on that right side. Um, yeah, I didn't understand that. But, hey, I'm not a football It man. may well have been a case of, of Forrester just needing some time out of the squad after playing, you know, Port Vale, then Stevenage. Um, and perhaps just giving Geth his chance to come back in before looking to perhaps bring Forrester in on... On Tuesday, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't play getting it with them. I really wouldn't think it. That would be, um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, Chris, if if we if Geth played right wing back on on um, yeah. on, on on Tuesday because you know, it's it's tradition, isn't it? Cogley's just had a kid. It, yeah, you, know, you could tell he, yesterday he was a bit burnt out and. For all those people who are lucky enough to have children, when when you've got a newborn, it's it can be tough. Like so that you know, them type of things pay a difference. Burnout as well. He's played a lot of football for us this season, so he's played one thousand and sixty-six minutes so far mm-hmm. out of a possible mm-hmm. uh one thousand and eighty. So he's not played an entire fourteen minutes. Which, which is, is madness. That's not that's not ideal. He, we need he's been probably one of our better players this season. Him. So we need yeah. to protect him. It goes back to what I said the last podcast after the um Carlisle game. We need to start using our squad and availability mm. better. So Gethin Jones wouldn't surprise me if he started at right wing back and then you'd have because it's worked away from all with Geth at wing back as well, hasn't it? Yeah. In the past. Um, yeah. and then the Royster right centre half on, on Tuesday night. So don't all Start screaming if he gets dropped Cogley on Tuesday. I want to go back to the name of the podcast, which was Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and for me, that pays reference to the first half was a really good attacking display. You know, we were really good. It was free flowing. We created chances um and we got the two goals really early on and set up the game really well for us to then go on and and take all three points the second half was much less convincing going forward and perhaps a bit more resolute defensively there was obviously sam hoskins goal but that sort of came out of nothing and then they capitalized from that uh, and carried on in terms of our attacking stats so far this season, we're in and around the top three or top five in every single department. If you look at goals per match, we're third. We're on 1.8 and Barnsley and Oxford are both on two. Barnsley um, don't seven in the first game of the season. Barnsley, yeah. So, yeah. Um, our average possession, we're top of the league. Um, our Expected goals, we're third. 
shots on target with fourth. Uh, big chances created with seventh. Uh, accurate passes with third. Uh, accurate crosses with fourth. The, 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 the list goes on. In more or less every department, we're in and around that top five. And that's very, very different to where we were at this stage last season or, or throughout last season. It was our defence that kept us in and around that playoff spots. And it's funny because if you look at our defensive stats so far this season, uh, it's it's the complete opposite. We're 17th in the league for goals conceded per match, which is perhaps not a concern just yet, but it, 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 we're, we're way down the list. We're 16th for clean sheets. We're 23rd for successful tackles per match, which may come from the fact that we have more of the ball and perhaps don't need to you know get involved as much um we're second for penalties conceded um we're second for fouls per match and our defensive stats are absolutely the flip side of what we saw last season so uh, George Johnson <clears throat> yeah yeah yeah. Je- Jekyll and Hyde doesn't just look at yesterday's game. I think we're actually seeing a Jekyll and Hyde season, whereas last season it was a case of clean sheets, won us the games, and we built on a good defence and, and perhaps came away nicking games 1-0, 2-1. And this season it seems to have flipped uh, and, and we're very much outscoring teams, but at the same time committing ourselves forward so much that we leave ourselves a little bit more exposed at the back. Yeah, it's interesting. But like Carl said, losing George pre-season, losing Santos for a good spell. Inconsistencies within the back five. It's it's been, you know, from an injury perspective per head, it's been the worst area. Um, And as well, when you consider how well Nathan Baxter's done. Mm. And we haven't, as Mark says, not a clean sheet at home since August against Lincoln. How good Baxter's been this season, yet how badly we've done defensively. It could have been a lot worse. Mm. 1.92 points per game, bro. Going back to that, don't I? That'll get us promoted there and thereabouts. A little bit extra yeah. push. I yeah, think this, this, is, this that, is also bad as well. <laughs> bad. I think that just about brings today's episode or this evening's episode uh, to a close. The live chat has been unbelievably busy this evening. Thank you all. Um, we've done our best to get the comments up on the screen and, and bring you all in, but thank you all very very much for tuning in uh probably one of the busiest podcasts we've had so thank you all very very much one last uh request if you could leave a like on the video or drop a comment after it's gone out and let us know what you thought of it leave a review on spotify follow us on twitter uh you know tweet tag us in anything that you want to share whatever it is if you could just get the name out there that'd be uh be massively appreciated but thank you all very very much for tuning in and we will be back with you next uh, for Pretty much next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the preview show. 
And then we'll be back with you on Wednesday for our post-Wickham. And we'll be with you again on Friday for our Charlton uh, preview. So plenty of the Fan Zone pod to look forward to. Uh, and we will catch you in the next one. Take care, everyone. Sure. Sure.